Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There you go. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from? I'm Damien Broderick and I'd say I come from Dublin, but more specifically I come from Kilmore. And it's mad because we met at an event and I seen you straight away. I actually seen you at another event before that. Um, and I seen I was drawn to you straight away just because of your appearance, your tattoos, the way you were dressed and so on. And then we actually got to talk and you were like, I'm from Kilmore West. And I was like, no way, because like, yeah. I never... Not that I never t- think that you were fucking with West Coast people from Kilmore West. But you probably don't, like, you probably don't assume that you're going to meet someone from Kilmore dr- looking the way I look and dressed the way I look in a fancy, fancy bistro in Baldridge. Yeah, <laughs> so, true, true. Um, and that's no offence to anyone, dear, because, like, I'm from cool, like, I'm from Mofu Court, like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I don't mean that in any offence to anyone, but it is kind of fact. Yeah, you just don't expect people to travel in those kind of circle yeah yeah it's just a fact it is a matter of fact it's no disrespect to anybody in either of those circles yeah you just don't expect them to mix yeah tell me this tell me about growing up in Kilmore West what was that like for you do you know what it was like it's a bit weird because everybody just assumes that Kilmore West is Kilock but if you write Kilock on the envelope the postman scribbles it out yeah it's weird I always just called it like a buffer zone it kept bomb mount away from Kilock that's all we were buffer zone but it was amazing like I lived right across in the big green so all of my memories of growing up there was just playing football. And that wasn't like 11 v 11, it was like 25 v 25. And it yeah. was just like, imagine a Royal Rumble with a football involved. It was just amazing. And that was all day, every day. And people talk about the weather in Dublin all the time, like in Ireland in general. I don't remember it raining around when we were kids. Yeah. It was just football out with our mates all day, every day. Yeah, couldn't fault it. Amazing living there. Isn't it mad that you said that? Because like, I actually don't remember the rain when I was rem- a kid. Yeah. You probably lashed all the time. You just didn't bother you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just yeah, it was amazing. amazing Where'd you go to school? Um, I went to school Orsa in Kilmore West. And then I went to St. David's CBS in our town. What was that like for you? Um, if any young people are listening to this, um, don't do what I did and leave school early. Right. Um, but I just didn't enjoy school. Um, Why? I don't, I don't know. I think mentally, this this is probably going to sound like I'm blowing steam up my own arse. But I think mentally, I was progressing quicker than skill would allow me to do. Skill is very academic. Here's how to do Pythagoras' theorem and how to measure a carpet for a stairs. And I'm like, I'm never ever going to fit carpet in the stairs. Trust me, it's never going to happen. Even if we, you know, naturally knew how to do Pythagoras' theorem, fitting carpets is not what I want to do. And that's no disrespect to anybody fitting carpets. Like I'm sure there's actually good money in it. Mm-hmm. it just wasn't for me. So school in that regard was just like, why am I sitting here wasting time learning this crap when it's, it's never ever going to be applicable to my life? So I went and studied photography 
and because I kind of always had that kind of creative kind of side to me, um, my football, my football career, and and quotes, um, it was just yeah, all all through growing up when I was really young, I was convinced I was going to be the next David Beckham, next Wayne Rooney. Like I was convinced, um, and in fairness, I probably had a lot of older people being like, you know, Dame was going to make it. Dame was really good, um, and obviously it didn't happen for you know a multitude of reasons. When you're older now, you look back in hindsight and be like probably wasn't that good, and then there's you know, multitude of other factors. When you're living over here in Ireland, there's a lot of luck involved, being spotted, being at the right club. There's lots of politics involved in football. Um, and I always liked the creative side of stuff. My granddad was into photography, my dad was into photography. So I just picked up one of their cameras one day and I was like, I just fell in love with the whole, the whole process. And then I think I was in fifth year and um, I went and looked up uh, photography courses and I seen a few that you didn't even need to leave in tier four so I literally dropped straight out of school and enrolled straight in college Did you, so take it back to the football piece for me right so a lot of young men and I had a lovely guy called David Gorman David Gorman on the podcast and he was the same he was destined for great things with football and then when it didn't happen to him he turned to drugs because he lost. He had an accident. I think he broke a leg or broke a knee, broke something. Um, and he completely, his community was whipped away from him like that. Mm. And he went to drugs. Like for you, was it to pick up the camera straight away or was it a bit of a blackness in your life at that time? Um, I, I can't really remember, to be honest. Um because when I think back, like, like all I can remember from childhood is just playing football with my mates. Like, so I think when I stopped playing really competitively, there were like certain aspects of my life that were like there was less structure to it because there was so much training involved. You're training like four times a week. They were giving you like meal preps. You were doing strength and conditioning training. Like basically, your entire week from like the moment you woke up to the moment you slept. The only thing that they couldn't control was the fact that you were in skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else was basically prepared for you, handed to you. And then when you're no longer in that environment, you're like, what do I do with all of this time now? Like, I have to cook my own clothes. <laughs> I have to cook my own food. Mm. And I have to wash my own clothes. And, mm. you know, I have to prepare my own kit bag because I'm not playing at this level anymore. I'm playing with, you know, skill boy level. And it's very different lifestyle. I think for me, I'm very lucky that I'm, like, quite resilient and quite kind of strong-willed. So it didn't really take a huge effect on me. Um, as it does with other people but I always remember when I was 20 I think I was 21 my sister got engaged in Corfu my grandparents lived there and we all travelled over I think to God it must have been about 20, 20 something of us all flew over basically took over this old hotel and I'd, I think we'd been in like a five, four or five year relationship at the time and that had just ended and we sat at the bar and I'd never drank alcohol to this day I still haven't smoked a cigarette I've never done any drugs um, I enjoy a drink from time to time but up until I was 21, never ever had a drink. I remember sitting at the bar and my dad turned to me and goes, your love life's over, your football career's over. So I might as well put some hair in your chest. And that was the time I had my first ever drink. Stop. Yeah, so I think like my dad obviously knows me very well and I don't think he'd be able to say words that probably sound really blunt when I said them to other people, but mm. he knows me extremely well and he knows that I'd be able to take that on the chin. And I, I know that there's a little bit of humour carried in, in those words as well. But um, even when I was... Playing football growing up, my dad was uh, harsh is probably not the word. Realistic is probably the word. Mm. I think my feet have always been very firmly planted on the ground. Like both my parents were like, look, if this is what you want to pursue, we'll support 100%. But just so you know, the chances of you actually making it Mm. are really slim, Mm. really slim. So I think when it didn't happen, 
having that support, but also, you know, the foundations of reality mm. constantly, you know, being, I wouldn't say drilled into me, it was not like, you know, you're never going to make it. That, yeah. was, that was never, ever said to me, but it was like, you know, there's a chance that it won't happen. So just be aware that, you know, that's a conversation that you'll probably have to have with yourself at some point. And we'll be like, I'm going to hang up the boots and, and try something else. And then fifth class then, you decide you're getting out. Is your ma like, I know you have to do the leaving state, stop that, or is she supporting you, your ma and dad? They really wanted me to stay in school. Like, they, they both really wanted me to stay in school, and it was, like, a long conversation. It was probably me being incredibly stubborn and being like, it's not happening. Mm. And, like, even in fifth class, oh, we don't transition here, so I was a little bit older than your average, kind of, yeah. I was a year older than your average 50-year f- student, so I'd say, my, like, my parents were like, there's only so much headbutting you can do with a stubborn 18, 19-year-old. So, um, yeah, it was, they really wanted me to stay in school. And, and obviously, in hindsight now, they're your parents. They were absolutely right. I should have stayed in school. And don't get me wrong, I'm like, I w- probably wouldn't change a thing considering where I am right now in my life. But mm. um, giving the advice to somebody else, I'd be like, absolutely stay in school. Like, mm. 100% stay in school. Mm. Yeah, because I've seen even um, Pamela Lard, you know, Pamela Lard, she's yeah, yeah. just a thing gone out about her this week in the papers saying that. How people look down on her for not having a degree, even though she was an entrepreneur and she's been a usually successful entrepreneur. And I think like the whole education piece now, yeah, it's getting more important than ever. But at the same time, like it's like if you don't, you don't. Yeah, I think like I always say it to people now, like I'm in a very privileged position with the audience that I've main, like managed to build on social media that. Like some people find themselves in a fork in the road and there's like, okay, there's that avenue and that avenue and maybe that avenue. But like, I'm in an extremely privileged position where if I want to try anything, literally anything at all, mm. like I have an agency behind me that'll like, you know, help me along the way that kick doors down for me. But even kicking the doors down, someone will look at the audience that I have and be like, oh yeah, go on. No mm. So even from, from that aspect, I'm not saying quit skill and get, yeah. get loads of followers. Like, mm. That's like it's never a guarantee, mm. but like e- even if you're like sixteen, seventeen, like literally whatever you want to do in your life, there's literally nothing stopping you. If you're not academically inclined, there is another pathway. If that's something that you absolutely want, like you are hell bent on getting it, you will get it. Yeah. If you're willing to sacrifice and work your bollocks off. You'll get it. It might take you slightly longer than the person that, you know, mm. goes and gets a degree from Trinity or whatever. But they're also broke when they come out with that degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to, you know, I think a lot of people, when they look at the likes of maybe yourself, they look at the likes of maybe Connor Ryan and they look and they go, oh, do you know, what? I think I want to do that. But what people don't realise is that you have worked your bollocks off. Connor Ryan might have had a little bit of luck along the way, but Conor Ryan also worked his bollocks off. So I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, I, my, I'd love to be an influencer, but you have to work hard at it no matter what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I, was, I think I got a message on Instagram yesterday and someone asked me um, for advice on growing their platform. So I went onto his page and I had like a flick through and I gave him whatever relevant advice kind of specific to his content. But one of the things that I said to him was like, you need to treat this like a job. Like, I went from... It took me eight years to grow 15,000 followers on Instagram. It took me around nine months to go from 15 to 40K. It took me 90 days to go from 40K to 1.2 million followers. 90 days. But what nobody sees is the 12, 13 months before those 90 days, I was showing up 
every single day, creating the content every single day. And people think, oh yeah, like you must be earning loads of money from social media. Literally have not done a single paid ad on my social media since hitting 50K, I think. I think the last paid ad I've done on my Instagram was pre-50K. It's mad, isn't it? So even though you have all of this leverage, like it's it's not earning me any money mm. at the moment. Like and don't like realistically it will mm. and it, it has potential to earn me a lot of money. Mm. But like you have to treat it like a job. But it's the only job in the world that you have to show up every single day, regardless of getting paid or not. Mm. Does not matter. Like it might be two weeks in between paid jobs, it might be six months between paid jobs. You might never get a paid job. Mm-hmm. It all depends on your content. There's people out there that have huge audiences, but brands and PRs look at them and be like it's not brand friendly it's not PR friendly I can't like I can't convince a brand to give you money because you know your content is X or it's Y or it's leaning too much towards this there's you know certain jokes or certain humours or whatever it might, mm. may, may be there that's reality yeah. do you know what I mean and like even the way I address all this style thing I've been told for years like how come you're not on Ireland AM how come you're not on this and even my ma always said it she was like I said it to you on the thing she was like you're too common almost mm. do you know what I mean like mm. if I was from Blackrock I'd probably been on Ireland AM six, mm. six years ago mm. but, and th- that's a, a hurdle that I, I had to get over do you know what I mean but now if I went to Ireland AM tomorrow they'd be like mm. no problem mm. why because there's a big huge following behind yeah. you do you know what I mean so, do you think there's in the world of and I want to do go back because I want to f- get into the who are you and mm. behind the man behind the, the Instagram. But do you think there's a bit of prejudice, prejudice with that kind of thing? Because you know, like Beverly, the unlikely stylist that we both know, mm-hmm. um, it's the same for self. Like, you know, someone said to me, Do you know any stylists um, who could do an Ireland AM? And I was like, Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll get on to Bev straight away. And they were like, Oh, no, do you have a film reel? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I actually find that really funny because I think there's a new little ad that's out and there's two women walking down the aisle. It's like, are you cooking or am I cooking? So it's like, oh, I'll make this. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want that. And you're like, you'll get what you're giving. Mm-hmm. And I actually find it funny that they won't give people like Beverly a shot on the telly or people like like me. I'll only get a shot now because I actually think my accent is probably quite neutral. It's not very heavy not yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. So... But I think it's really funny because there's so many radio ads and there's so many television ads where they'll get posh people quote unquote people that aren't you know mm-hmm. common from the north side mm-hmm. um, and they'd be like can you put a north side accent on rather than just go get someone from the north side so there's, there's even that thing like that probably annoys me even more mm. I'm like why are you cosplaying as <laughs> yeah. north side when you can just go get a north side if, yeah. that, if that's what you're after if that's what the voice that you want yeah. I'm like and that, that just goes to show they'd rather give it to somebody else and then have that someone else play the character yeah, rather than you know, get someone that's not even playing a character, just actually being themselves. And someone who is actually, like, you know, extremely fucking good at their job. Mm. And they're overlooking that for the simple fact that she doesn't sound right for the telly. Yeah. It's just nuts. And half the people sitting at home watching it. Yeah. Would, would identify. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And well, that's, that's, I think, where social media has a huge curve on traditional media. Because we get how valuable authenticity is. Mm. And mainstream television... Is, is yet to get there mm. it's too polished too polished mm. and this is why like I, you know Alan Hughes is a really good friend of mine and I love Alan because he doesn't change he's from Ballyfermit but he lives in the north side but he doesn't change his accent you know what mm. I mean and he's actually the longest presenter of Ireland AM like 
you know, not just picking an Ireland AM, but just it's, it's just right, in yeah. television and in yeah. general. Do you know what I mean? Like um, right across the board. It's like, let's say Love Hate for example, yeah. prime example, right? So, um, is it Tom Von Lawler? Yeah. Is mm. the lad that played Nidge? Mm. Don't get me wrong, I don't think there's a guy in the country that could have done a better job yeah. than, than Tom, right? But look at Barry Keoghan, mm. I think that's how you say his surname. Someone, you know, um, you know, from the inner city, mm. you know, really rough upbringing. Had basically, like, on paper, you were thinking, this kid's never going to make it. Mm-hmm. So for an Oscar. Yeah. And that's, they could have easily went to, I don't know, Billy Barry's skill of mm. excellence or whatever. I got someone that's classically trained in ballet and be like, here, can you shoot this cat? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Put these, plucked him off the street and yeah. his entire life has changed from yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. But it's because they saw how important the authenticity and the rawness mm. of of him and it, he's someone that's from that environment and he gets it. Yeah. Um, and do you know what I mean? It just so happens that he's really talented. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. It's the same time. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, I mean, he, like, God knows what he'd be doing now if, yeah. if that opportunity wasn't given and like that, if they had played into that same narrative of just, you know, getting someone that's classically yeah. trained from God knows where and just like, oh yeah, you just put that Nike tracksuit on there and shoot that guy. Yeah, and that's it. And yeah, and that's it. But yeah, ho- hopefully things things start to change. And do you think that in, I know it's quite clicky in that environment. And as I said, like people always ask me questions about that environment because I'm so, because I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm very honest, like and I've been very honest through my whole life and even my career, I'm very honest and, I'm like Marmite, yeah, I don't love me or you hate me, but mm-hmm. I actually don't give a fuck. And that's the goddamn that's truth. Yeah, I think that's why we got on so well. Yeah. yeah. I'm very similar. Yeah, I just don't care. Like, and so, but, so when I walk into a room, like, I come more, and I've said this to, to, to Bevan, because she'd be me plus one, and I'd be her plus one, and I'd say to her, the magpie, magpie. I know, I know he's standing there looking at us. He's terrorizing me, dog. My poor <laughs> old dog is terrorizing him. But he, um, she, she, he, what was I was saying, we're trying to talk now. Hang on. Where am I? Talking about clicks. Clicks, yeah. So so when we walk into the room, like she'd she'd be my plus one and I'd be her plus one. So we always have each other. And I'll always say, like, you know, that initial first thing when I get invited to something, I'm like, um, can, can can I have a plus one? Like, can I bring someone with me? Um, but she's very good to me and I'm very good to her. But it is a clicky environment, is it? Yeah, it it definitely can be. And there's also an element now, though, like I've, I've noticed, and this is no shade or disrespect to anybody within that industry because my friends know that my friends. Like, I've noticed a huge difference when I go to events now than I did before. Mm. So like as I said, I've been doing this eight years. So there's been times where I went to an event and I'm handed like a goodie bag at the end of it and the PR doesn't even know my name. Mm-hmm. And in the bag is like a mascara and a bottle of tan or something like that. And I'm like <laughs> sweet, yeah. Sound <laughs> sounds real like, you know, ungrateful or no, I know. Like, well what am I gonna do with that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um but now and even like the people in the room no one has really come up and introduced themselves to you. And there's probably multiple factors there. Just because someone is this big, loud thing online doesn't mean that in person they're going to be the same. Yeah. There's like, you know, lots of social barriers in, in the way there as well. Like, well. I'm not like that. I'll go up and talk to anybody. I'll go up and talk to the wall. It doesn't mm. bother me. Um, but now when I go to events, it's a very different story. Everybody knows my name. Everyone wants a selfie. Everyone wants to be shared on my story, blah, blah, blah. Because mm. now I'm in wrong on a social ladder. Mm. So the treatment is very different. Do you know what I mean? So... Like there's even that's a whole other element to yeah. navi- navigate through as well, but like it can be very clicky. It can be like that. And again, I had this conversation with someone else a while ago, and it's private conversation, so I won't say their name. But she was saying that the <clears> amount of users 
that she's found. Like the amount of people who will be at her and, you know, coming up to her events, same thing, can I get a selfie or will you post that, will you put that up or can we do something together and it's only for them to mm. climb that social ladder and actually, and the one thing I have to say again is like, you know, if the content to me is not relevant to me, like I guess so many people ask me, I'm sure you do as well, um, can you share this, can you share that and I'm like, it's not, it's not relevant to what I'm doing. I, I have a guest that I have to give the respect to so I can't be flogging something that your, your your sister's nail bar or you know what I mean or your you know your brother's bloody electrician shop I because I have a, res, a respect for a guest that I have to give them Monday's day day Wednesday's day day Friday and then on Sunday I'm on to a new guest mm. so it's it's very hard but like the I'd say the social climbing and these smaller influencers trying to jump on and use people must be insane do you know what it's actually strange enough that there's less smaller influencers reaching really? out and being, can we do this? Can we do this? We'd love to work together, blah, blah, blah. Because they they get it. They understand mm. the, the the viral aspect of social media now. It only takes one or two TikToks to go off and then all of a sudden you have more followers than, I don't know, So Sue Me or mm. Rosanna Davison or whoever it may be. Mm. That's literally all it takes. Like, me and Suzanne, literally really good mates, me and Suzanne go way back and... It's people like Suzanne that I look at and have such admiration for because she had so much time for me when I was quote-unquote a nobody. I was mm-hmm. just in the industry. Nobody knew who I was. And I remember a horse saying to me, I think I had less than 10,000 followers, like, you're going to be a superstar. And I was like, yeah, all right, sure. Says the one with about four books out and, mm-hmm. you know, a cosmetics <laughs> company. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, no, you're going to be a superstar. And then as TikTok and everything else started to blow up, I remember messaging me and like, told you. I'm like, I'm still not a superstar, but <laughs> well, thanks very much. <laughs> but it's people it's people like her, but I, you notice some of the older influencers mm. all, come, all coming out of the woodwork, some people that just wouldn't give you the time of day. Yeah. Um, the younger ones are almost like, uh, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to say that they look at you like competition, mm. or they probably look at the likes of, like the, like the big, big influencers and think, nah, mm. well, I can, I'll, I'll pass you, no problem. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd love if that's that mm, actually because mm, mm. um, like the thing is like the social climate is so blatantly obvious as well like it's so transparent mm. like there's no way of hiding it yeah so, I mean, so you're just better off not doing it yeah. or just being unapologetically about it just, yeah like, exactly here look I would <laughs> I would gain X amount <laughs> if you've just done this for me yeah It'd be sweet I'll give you 100 euro <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Whatever exactly you want. yeah 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 for yeah I'll just I'll, like I noticed a lot of the younger influencers now, especially because TikTok is so big and, yeah. and they're growing massive audiences on that. They're just like, they're not, they don't need the social climb. Mm. Not anymore. Like. Do you feel you have to protect your brand? No, I don't give a rats. Don't give a rats. <laughs> yeah, no, you're dead right. Like, I'm, like a part, part of me is probably needing to train to, mm. for, for a long game. Because, yeah. um, I mean, it's not like 100,000 followers is, is obviously loads but mm. like 1.2 million followers like i need to be a bit more savvy if i want to turn this into a career a mm. job long term if i want to go into television if i want to go into radio or whatever else like and mm. um, it depends like if someone gives me shit i'm gonna give them shit back yeah it's just how it is like i am a very real normal person so i mean i'm a human being with emotions and there's times where someone says something and i will react out of emotion because i'm a human being mm. but i never go back and delete my comment yeah I'll own it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If someone says that was out of line, I'd be like, do you know what? Yeah, in hindsight, it probably was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I've had DMs from people being like, you're the only influencer that's ever 
I've ever seen call anybody out. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just like, I'm not going to change just because I have a million followers. Like, I'm, mm. I'm just literally the same person. I was at the Gossies and someone who knew me from nine years ago came up to me and was just like, the fact that you're the exact same human being is mad. And I'm, I'm mm. like, but that, sh- that shouldn't be the case. Like, mm. everybody should just be the same. Like, obviously, you grow as a, as a person. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I'm not going to walk around thinking I'm David Beckham now all of a sudden because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is mad that you just keep grounded. So tell me about the time you pick up a camera, mm. your dad and your granddad, what were they fo- fo- photographing? That's the word to my English is terrible. Go on. Yeah, so my, my granddad um, was more, he was probably, you know, when you go to a wedding, right, and they ho- they hire a wedding photographer mm-hmm. and then there's that prick in the corner that <laughs> brought his own camera yeah. and he's wrecking everybody's head. That was probably my granddad. Right, so yeah. he, he was never hired to photograph anybody's wedding but definitely brought his own camera and yeah. probably got in most of the photos trying to get his own. Um, and my dad was more like, his camera would just sit there in a bag until he went on holidays and he'd go on holidays and then he'd capture his holiday and then download all the images onto his computer. I never looked at them again. Yeah, 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 <laughs> just, yeah. Um, and when I picked up the camera, was, I mean, I was photographing everything. It was like flowers and spider webs, and I was pulling me nephews and me little brothers in. Please let me take the photo. And I was like, I was wrecking everybody's heads. I just loved it. I just like as much as I could press the button. That's when I was, I was happy, just, just snapping away. And then tell me then, and we're going to talk about the tattoos and everything as I said. But mm. how did you get on then to? coach football so wh- where did that happen and how did that happen so when i moved to the south side why um, did you move to the south side for a girl do you fall in love easy i think i like the idea of being in love i think yeah i think i'm a hopeless romantic so i think i like i love the idea of love and you know having someone there that supports you and you support them and you push them they push you and you build this thing together and um, I think yeah, I probably romanticised the idea of that. Um, and you know, like relationships are hard work. Love is hard work. Um, you know, so you look, there's a bunch of flowers behind you now. If you neglect that, it dies. Mm. A relationship is the very same. If you don't water it every couple of days, it's gonna die. Um, Did you water your relationships? Not all of them. Do you regret anything that you've done in your relationships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially being younger, like you're growing up and. I don't know, there's probably many young men out there that when you get older, I would hope that they look back and, and regret it. I remember reaching out to people and be like, God, I was awful to you when we were teenagers. <laughs> like, I was a prick. Like, um, and obviously when we're older, they're like, look, we were kids. But I'm like, yeah, well, it's bad form, isn't it? And I think like maybe that's me like, trying to, you know, cleanse my own karma, so to speak. Because, yeah, there's, there's, you know, going out kissing other girls when you have a girl at home is... Is not ideal, but like I'm not gonna shy away from the things that I've done in the past. Like it's that's that's reality of it, and I'm not the only person out there that does it. So I'm not gonna pretend that that I didn't. Um, and I do regret that behavior, but I probably wouldn't be the person I am now mm. if I didn't learn from those mistakes. So to those people, I apologize, but I'm, I am who I am now because of that. So, mm-hmm. so you moved over to is it the south side? Is that what it's called? Is it? To yeah, yeah, the for south a girl. side for a girl, and then. Yeah, we always wanted to kind of get back into playing football, but like I'm, I'm an extremely competitive person, and if I can't play at a, a decent level, I get annoyed at my teammates because if I do something and then they can't keep up, quote unquote, or they make a mistake or lose the rag. But what's even worse is if in my head I know I'm capable of something, but my fitness level won't won't allow me to do that. 
that's when I'll really lose the rag because I'm like I'm I really really harsh on myself. Why? I don't know, there's probably an element of being like a perfectionist there, everything I do, like even you see the, the videos that I upload, like n- like in the 15 months I think I've been doing the get ready videos, not one of them is recorded on a phone, all on the camera, two lights, mic set up, it's edited on a laptop, send across to my phone, put through a whole other editing platform just so I can put the captions on it, and then it's uploaded to three different platforms. Do you know I asked, I said to Paul... Paul said to me, have you seen this fella's videos? You know, because Paul doesn't, mm. like, like, he'll just say to me, who's coming? Like, you know what I mean? And I'll say, oh, such and such. And he'll go, and he, he'll go on then and have a little look. And he said, you see these fella's videos? And I says, yeah. So there's something else. He goes, yeah. And I said, how do you think? He's like, he goes, I'll probably just with his phone and a little. I says, no, he has something pinned to him, Paul. Yeah, a little mic. And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's just probably a mic and a phone. So I'm fucking delighted. I can say to Paul, it wasn't a fucking mic and a phone because you can see the way he set up where everything here. Like, yeah, so you yeah. go through all that, do you? Yeah, literally. Like, and pe- um, people say, Oh, how long does it take you to make the videos? And I'm like, probably if I was to remove the whole recording process, it would take me less than five minutes to actually get get dressed. Mm-hmm. It's like all of my clothes are pretty much similar anyway. So mm-hmm. you know I mean? it's like trousers, top, shoes, whatever. But the recording process probably takes half an hour. It takes me the guts of an hour to actually edit. And that's before I put the captions on. It takes even longer to put the captions on. And then because of my stupid accent, mm-hmm. when I say short... The captions think I say short. Yeah. If I say hat, it thinks I say hash. And <laughs> um, if I do the zip sound, the caption thinks I say what? Oh. Do you know what I mean? So you're going yeah. in and physically fixing half the captions as as well. So it's like a, a really time consuming. And then when I when I upload it, yeah. I'm probably spending five hours a day just responding to different comments. So yeah, it's there's a lot to it. Like. Do you think that from talking to you, do you think that your perfectionism comes? From the fact that you've failed, and I know failed is not the word that like you failed at football. No, no, I don't think so. Because um, I can look back at football and think I just wasn't good enough, and it wasn't from. But then you try to be good. You, you look back and think you weren't good enough, but then you try to be good at everything. Yeah, true, maybe. But I think, like when I look back, it wasn't from lack of effort. Mm. I done everything that I possibly could. Mm. I lost a lot of mates growing up when they were off chasing girls and experimenting with drugs and, you know, drinking in their in their teens and I was just like, not for me, I'm playing football. Went and trained every day, trained really hard every day, done my own training. All I, all I did in, from my entire young adult life, from probably 11 till 19, was dedicate my life to try be a footballer. And it didn't happen. And I look back now and think... You know, the very, very, very like the minority of a minority that make it to that level. I just wasn't at that level, and I'm. I, th- I think I'm fine with that. I think my perfection comes from my, my dad. I think it comes from my dad, um, and he one hundred percent has OCD, like without a shadow of a doubt. And he was in the military, so he was in the. Right. He he was. Um, he actually failed the exam. To get into the navy, he failed the written exam because um, th- he, pr- he probably has dyslexia. Mm. So he failed the written exam, and then a friend of his said, "If you go into the army, which is easier to get into, you can transfer from army to navy." So he went into the army and then transferred from army to navy, and then he was in. He used to go dancing in town all the time. And then he met me, mom. She's obviously a dub, and he was based down in Cove, in Cork. So yeah. it was just like. Yeah, the, the seven hours away at, 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 at times. Yeah. yeah, 
and uh, he was like, I have to try to get back to Dublin. <laughs> so um, you can still do it. I'm sure you can still do it in the army now. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the army, but mm. um, you can go and do different courses to learn how to, you can go learn to be a mechanic or a chef or whatever else. And he went and done a tailoring course because because the course was in Dublin. Um, and this is the only reason he went up and done it, so he could see me man all the time. So that's probably where I get the hopeless romantic end of it as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I remember being in school And he used to always pull my toy down And slip it over my head But my dad would undo it And make me toy it every day And he'd be real like You know your shoes need polishing All that sort of stuff And I mean like I was halfway to school I'd take my shoes off Stick me in bag And stick my runners on I mean, I'm a kid But then when I On my way home I'd stick my shoes back on Come yeah. back in the house on my dad but I think I probably got it from him That's amazing So do you know, like, and this is why I was, like, trying to pull everything out of you, because I know, like, that's exact. So looking at you today, obviously, probably without the tattoos, you're probably, like, your father's son in terms of, like, I know how, like, I was a baton trailer, but, like, a major at years ago, so I know, like, how to do the shoes, or whiten the shoes and everything, mm. the hair had to be perfect and all that fucking now, I couldn't give a shite. But then, like, I knew exactly what it was like to do that. So, again, I'm going to go back to football, but before on that, Tell me then, is this, what, the way you dress, do you think you got it from your dad? Um, I think I think so. I think it's probably something that was always kind of in me anyways. I think if I look at photos of my dad when he was young, he was a really kind of out there and creative person. He really let his personality shine through his clothes when he went out dancing and stuff like that. Um, so he had his really formal side from like being in the Navy and, and the Army and stuff. But when he went out dancing, he was... Um, really kind of trendy stylish kind of guy so I, I think i'll probably get that from him but not only like the the formal aspect the bravery to go and wear what you want mm-hmm. um i think i'll definitely get that from him it's probably the best thing i get from him to be honest but it didn't get me hair i had to go to turkey to fix my hair long <laughs> that he gave me but isn't it amazing that when you do look back like my mother-in-law she would would have wore like what, what exactly kind of what you're wearing but like more feminine she would have wore that because mm. her sister was a dressmaker so she had suits in every color and she'd be able to name this the shorts that she had like you know all these things and she always talks about the fashion of the 60s and the 70s and how amazing it was where when did you start to see okay i dress different to other people and then where did you get that inspiration from um, I think there was Especially when I was younger There was like Lots of different aspects to it I remember Coming home from primary school Almost every day And my dad had all the James Bond films Put on like on tape So we had to like Rewind them And I used to Rewind them in the morning So when I came home from school It would already be rewinded And I'd whack it in And I'd do them in order And then when I finished I'd go back and watch them again So And like James Bond obviously mm-hmm. was like super stylish And um, but then I remember making me Holy Communion That's kind of the first time you get to really wear a yeah. suit And the shiny shoes and everything else And uh, I remember like Months after my communion I was still wearing me patent leather <laughs> Shiny shoes around And obviously I had no other clothes to go with them I was just wearing them because they were the only fancy thing that yeah. I had So What are you like 9 or 10 mm. or something when you're doing that So I think even back then there was probably an element of it And then I remember making me confirmation And I think like a suit jacket and jeans was like the thing. I think Will Young wore it on X Factor <laughs> or something. And then every mile was like jeans and a jeans and a blazer. It's what mm. you're wearing for your confirmation. But I remember wearing that jacket for months after the confirmation. Just I just liked it. Um, and then as I got older, you go through different phases. You go through like your little emo kid phase, and 
when you start to work and you can afford your own kind of clothes, that's when you can really you're gonna spend your own money on stuff that you want. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I've don't think I've ever went out and like spent a couple of hundred euro on like a tracksuit other than needing gear to train in. Um because it's not something that I enjoy wearing. So I went mm-hmm. and bought spent money on stuff that I enjoy wearing. How many years, and I know someone already asked you this on on your gram, how many years has it taken for you to accumulate your wardrobe and do you have a price on that wardrobe? Um, I'd say it's probably taken me the guts of a decade to accumulate and there's things in my wardrobe that are literally that old. There's things that have, you know, stood the test of time and they're still there. There's plenty of things that have dipped out there's obviously things that are very recent additions but in terms of like the curation in terms of the aesthetic mm. it's probably taken 10 years to kind of refine that down to the point where if i go shopping now i can look at it and i can automatically think okay that goes with xyz and i can wear it with xyz and i can probably style that 10 different ways with loads of other things that i that i own so therefore it's a good investment piece mm. and that doesn't by investment piece i don't mean that in terms of like this is a 500 euro jacket and that's why it's an investment piece because again yeah it's, it could be forever from a charity shop mm. if i'm only going to wear it one time that's a waste of forever mm. do you know what i mean so i don't really buy clothes for a once-off mm. sort of deal unless it's like say like the gossies i wore yeah this mad I don't know, I look like a matador and a vampire Fab. mixed it into, <laughs> into a war. That's because when I was in Paris, I was like really annoyed at myself that I wasn't brave with my outfit. And mm. I was looking around and being like, oh my God, everybody's so cool. I'm like the least cool person here. Yeah. And that's because I wasn't brave. The one time I, 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 I should have been mm. brave and I wasn't. So when I was going to the gossip, I was like, I was like, fuck this. I'm going all the way. Mm. And, um, but that's. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That's probably something that I'll never wear again. But then again, I'll find something to wear. I'll find mm. some way to wear it again. Just style it in a different way. Different way. So you don't believe in fast fashion? No, I think there is fast fashion brands and you can shop those brands in a sustainable way. Mm. There's obviously the element of, you know, how they pay their workers and how the garments are made and all this sort of other things. Like, but I have, like, Top Man aren't even a brand anymore. Mm. Um, they'd have been considered a fast fashion brand. Maybe not as fast fashion as the likes of Sheen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I have a cardigan from Top Man that I think I got for 30 euro nine years ago. Mm. Still in my wardrobe, still wear it. So that's sustainable because... It, the cardigan itself has actually outlasted the company. Mm. The company doesn't yeah, exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can you can shop fast fashion brands if you are doing it with in it, with a conscious aspect of it. Mm. Like if you're shopping it to wear it once or twice and then binning it, mm. then yeah, you, you are part of the problem. Mm. And I'll, I'll say that straight to your face. Mm. But yeah, I think if you're shopping it and, and keeping it, if mm. it's like something that you can rework and restore and rewear in many, many different ways, then then yeah, I think and there's obviously the quality aspect of it. The more you wear it and the more you wash it. Yeah. The quality will start to show through, the thing will start to turn to crap mm. because it's made from crap. But mm. um Did you get like so you do you have male friends? Mm. Mm. And are they your male friends that are there a long time? Like, did you get stick when you started? Because oh, people yeah, are fucking God. bastards, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. I say this to people all the time. Like, people are saying, like, um, why don't more men dress like you? And, like, cause it, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking great because so I dress this way. Like, people can dress whatever way they want. If you mm. want to wear shorts and a Canada Goose jacket every day and that makes you happy, go for it. Mm. Don't give a rat what you wear. I wear what I wear because I love it. Mm. Wear what you wear because you love it. I'm the only person now of all of my mates that dress the way I do. All of them. Um, but I remember when I first started to kind of, I was working at Tesco's, my first ever job, and that was when I first started to kind of post outfits on Instagram. And this is when you couldn't actually upload to Instagram. You had to use the in-app camera <laughs> and all those really crappy filters that they had. That was it. And the entire of Instagram was basically people's Starbucks or their dinner <laughs> or, their, or their dog. And it was basically just me like in the mirror every day. And I remember getting dog's abuse off of um, some of the lads that worked in some of them weren't even like considered like mates they didn't even work mm. colleagues and even when I actually left the job because I started to get interested more and more in fashion and I was working in retail at the time so I left grocery retail to work in fashion retail so I could be immersed in it a bit more and learn a bit more about it and even after I left they were still giving me dogs abuse I actually remember getting all the Tesco's and like I don't even work there and your staff are bullying me mm. like, sort this out like yeah and um, how old were you? God, I've been maybe 22, 23. And did you have the same attitude that you have now? Like, could you handle the bullying then or did it affect you? It probably affected me more then than it does now. Just because a couple of those people I would have, you know, spent a little bit of time outside of work with. I think the Plex used to do BOAOB bowling and a few of us used to go bowling with each other all the time. And uh, there's probably an aspect of it that they see you growing as a person and progressing. You're leaving the job, you're going on to do something. You know, working in best menswear is, you know, 
bang on par with working in Tesco. It's the mm. only difference is you're putting a short on them on a shelf rather than putting a bag of frozen peas on it. Yeah. Makes no difference. Like the pay was pretty much the same as mm. well. Um but you're going to do something that you enjoy more. Do you know what I mean? And there's probably an aspect of they them seeing you progressing mm. and them not. And then that's where that's prob- probably the root of that. Um but I think it affected me more back then just because I felt like a bit more disrespect a bit more disrespected. Mm. Probably because I feel like I'm looking at them like you actually know me and this is how you're treating me like mm. and you've known me for years and, and this is the attitude towards me doing something that I enjoy and something that I love. So I'm like yeah, it kind of I don't know if hurt is the is the word, but yeah, it kind of stung a bit more. And how did you deal with it? Uh, I don't know. Put a put a plaster on it. Put me big boy shoes on and just go on mm. with my life. And um, there's probably an aspect of like you know you look at it and be like Do you know what, fuck you. Mm. Mm. Like I'm just I'm, I'm just gonna continue doing what I'm doing because like I wanted this far more than I wanted to please you. Mm. Like your opinion is is never gonna pay my bills. It's never gonna get me where I want to be in life. So I need to I need to want this mm. more than I want to make you happy. Mm. Because making you happy is not gonna make me happy. It's irrelevant to me. Did you ever conform? Did you ever go? I'm gonna put on a fucking jumper, and <laughs> jumper just to fucking keep these fuckers happy. No, no, no. Even even now, like in, in the videos, like if I wear like some of my hats, like um, my friend Tyler makes some of my hats for me, and uh, someone will be like more kind of oversized kind of uh, baker boy hats and. People like people give me shit in the comments about oh, your hat's too big, uh, make sure your head looks small or look like you're wearing a mushroom or whatever. And I'll literally go a few days without wearing the hat, so I can just let it melt a little bit. And then I'll be like, I'm point blank wearing this hat just to piss off people <laughs> off, just to piss them off. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Uh, conformance boring anyway. True. Tell me about your tattoos. <sighs> Where do you start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, where did you start? Um, again, if there's young people listening to this, don't do what I did and get your first tattoo at like 15 or something like that. What was um, that one? This really terrible star on my wrist. Look how bad it is because I was like shaking and shit myself. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's awful. But I remember my sister was just like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, I love a tattoo. And she was like, all right. She was like, look, we'll go in. Don't say anything. Just... <laughs> Fuck. And... Uh, if they let you get it done, we'll, we'll get it done. And I was like, oh, right, yeah, sweet. So I was breaking me. So I was sweating bullets going in. Um, and needless to say, Annie Tom was in school then for the next couple of years. It was like this hand went up to tell the teacher what I was. <laughs> you can show off the tattoo. I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was the fourth one. And that's, that's What's your man's dad say? What's your dad say, oh, especially? My dad, because he was in, like when he left the, the, the Navy, he went into the Merchant Navy. So tattoos are like a big thing in, in the Navy and like they're just not on, on show like mm. um but they're all tattooed like these like especially sailors like it's, a, mm. it's an actual thing. So he has no tattoos but I think he's always wanted one, but he's very indecisive and it's probably the fact that we're all convinced he's on the spectrum. Mm. And mm. he's definitely O C D. So I think if he got one, he would regret it immediately. Mm. Immediately. And I think he's aware of that, so he's never got one. He also has this thing in his head, he's like, I want a tattoo that nobody else has. So. I'm like, unless you get your own signature or something, bro, or, or your PPS number. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen. Gonna happen. Not happen. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, you're an idiot, whatever. But my mom hit the roof. Did she? Yeah, she hit the roof. 
Well, now she's got like four or four of them. Like. Oh, really? Has she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So I'm like, you can't say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, my youngest brother's covered in those. Well. He, he's dating a tattoo artist. She's, so. She tattooed the back of my head. Like. So tell me about the rest of them. Come on. Yeah, so some of them are kind of, like my mom calls me a homeboard. Right. So that's across my knuckles. Um, MCMXLIOI is 1943. Okay. So somebody once tried to take the piss out of me saying that I looked like I was going to meet Michael Collins in the GPO. So I think I was 27 at the time. So it's a good few years ago now. And um, my blog at the time was just called DamienProject.net. And then I was like, what year would it be if I was born in 1916? I was 27 at the time. So it would have been 1943 would have been the year that I was born. And my style is probably more 1940s anyway. Mm. So I rebranded my entire blog, 1943, as basically a fuck you to that person that tried to rip it out. I'm just like, I'm just going to make your joke my success. Um, and then that was the first blog that I had that kind of got me a little bit of traction, a little bit of success. So I went and got a tattoo on me. And um, the rest of them then? What's your favourite one? Um, probably the one on the side of my face. Mm. The, uh, it's like a leaf off an olive branch. Um, that's probably my favourite. Why? Um, colours on my face. Oh, really? Yeah. What's the olive branch meaning behind it? Um, someone I'm not even have meaning. I actually, I was working in, in Daphne menswear. I was their uh, social media manager at the time, and one of my mates, who's a tattoo artist, just like, oh, I just got a cancellation to join a tattoo. And I was like, I'd love my kneecap tattooed. And he's like, I don't have that much time. And when I say that now, I have like one and a half knees done. That sounds weird because I got one done and then got halfway through the other one. It's just like, can we just go for a point because this is awful. So, so I have half a tattoo on that knee. <laughs> it's it's just, I'm not probably not going to go back and finish it either. It's so, it's so sore. Um, and he was like, I don't have that much time. And then I said, do you want to tattoo my face? And he was like, yeah, I want to do your face. So I went over on my lunch break, got the olive branch done and got three dots under this eye. And... Uh, Went back to work. Went and back. what did they say? Yeah, In work? Yeah. I don't even think they noticed. What? Yeah, well, I was wearing glasses at the time, so I probably, right. hit, I probably hit this one, but um, yeah, I don't even think, because I was like, I'm, tattoos everywhere, yeah. so it's just blended into the rest of them. And the three dots, what do they mean? So I always joke that I'm a boring bastard. Right. And for the most part, I am. Like, if people follow me online, they probably think, oh, he's going to movie premieres and events mm. all the time, and he's going to Italy, and then he's going to this place, and... But for the most part, I'm just sitting at home, like rewatching The Crown or something on Netflix. <laughs> I mean, I'm really boring. Like. Mm. And the three dots is actually a Mexican gang sign. Right. It means to me a vida loca, which translates to my crazy life. Mm. So it's almost like taking the piss out of myself. I'm like this face tattoo from a Mexican gang, which mm. means my life is mental. Mm. When my life is not mental at all, and it just reminds me that, like, at, at the end of the day. You're just, you know... Damien from Kilmore West. Yeah. Or, like, for the people that actually know me, I was always just like, oh, that's a little demo. That's a little demo. So that, that tattoo just reminds me that, like, you'll, al- you'll always just be that person, like... So the little demo thing, right? Mm. Why do you call it little demo? I don't know. It was like, I'm only 5'8 now, and when I was, I don't know, when I was growing up, I was always the the, 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 the smaller one, and then, obviously, de- demo short for Damien, mm. so it was always just like, oh, that's, that's a little demo. Does that stay with you? Not the little part, thank God. Mm. Um, but it's funny because if I'm walking down the street, it sounds weird saying it out loud, but I get recognised on the street like all the time. Anytime mm. I go into the city centre, I get recognised all the time. And it's always so nice when someone comes up and they say they like the content or whatever else. 
But I can always tell if someone says, if someone calls me a name and it's Damien, mm. I'll always know it's someone that's going to know. Mm. But if someone goes, Damien, and I turn around, mm. it's 100% guaranteed it's someone that I knew from 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, there's probably going to be people watch this and be like, I'm going to call him Damien on the street. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm a 30, I'm 31-year-old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's always nice when someone from from way back, um, you know, shouts demo on the street and I turn around and it's and it's them and most of the time they're with their wife and their kids and yeah, we getting on I'm like yeah. how are you going? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because my name is Rebecca Jervis, but like, and I'm still Jervis on my passport. I everyone in Kulak would know me as Rebecca Jervis, and then someone would call me Jervis. Like they, that's some most of the lads would say, all right, Jervis. And Paul hates the past, like, for fuck's mm-hmm. sake. And I was like, well, that's how long, like, I know these people. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and everyone would say, you know, there's two people, there's Rebecca Kelly and then there's Rebecca Jervis. If mm-hmm. anyone actually really knew what I was like. Um, but I like to think that people fucking did know what I'm like <laughs> at the same time. Um, so tell me, take it back then to the football coaching. Yeah. So you got into that and you're saying that you're an expert, you're a, a professionalism. Are you taking that with the, the young flies or are you, how old, how old are the, the boys that you're coaching so on tuesdays thursdays and sundays i mm. do 17 year olds right and then on a saturday morning we do academy so that's from four years old to eight mm. years old so i have the eight-year-old group mm. on a saturday so it's very different uh coaching techniques in, mm. into the two groups and um, with the 17s we try they put like the other coaches are grown men mm. so i'm probably the one that they look at and be like a bit more relatable to mm. them like so yeah okay we'll do very in-depth coaching drills to try progress their football skills but for me especially with the 17 year olds it's more of the impact that'll have on these young men that are going to grow into fully grown men going you know progressing into their lives and I think if we can have a positive impact on on that on their morals, how they'll navigate life, how they treat people, how they treat themselves. Um, I'm not saying go out and buy a three piece suit and no, I know. you know things like that. Um, it's more so just like even if it's just like disciplined things, like showing up on time and you know having all your gear, just little things like that, and yeah, just almost being another level of. A support mechanism for these young men. I think it's must be very difficult to be a seventeen-year-old in this mm. this day and age. So, um, if you can be somewhere, if you can be someone that can, you know, even just listen and give some advice. I think I'm very like again. I always use the word privilege. I think I'm very lucky that I got to grow up in a time where it was before social media was ever everything. And then, just as I was going to be young adult, social media started to actually be a thing with the likes of MySpace and Bebo mm. and uh, MSN and all these sort of things started to, to, to kind of grow. And then when I got to my late teens and early 20s, that's when the likes of Instagram, Facebook, uh, all these started to kind of crop up. And then all through my 20s, that's when, you know, you know it, it's, it, it's weird how the influencer thing kind of became a thing, but... Mm. I got to kind of experience all of that. So I understand what like what it's like kind of growing up in that realm. But I also understand the benefits of, you know, getting to experience before it. So when I'm talking to these young men, I'm like, oh yeah, like social media is great and all. But 
really focus on your skill, focus on your relationships, focus on yourself. Mm. Like, where do you want to be? Like, one of the questions we ask them all, like, well, look, like, what do you want to do when you finish school? Mm. Most of them are in transition year or fifth year. Everyone, what do you want to do when you finish school? That's the one question I ask them. And obviously you get lots of different answers. Some of them are like, I don't, I don't know. Mm. Like, well, that, that's fine if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you're 16. Mm. You're not meant to know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's extremely rewarding. I love, I love doing it. Like, and all, all the lads are, are gas. Like, they, they all follow me on, on, <laughs> on social media. So, mm. so I come down to train and they're like, oh, you're out last night, why? Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's like I keep forgetting that you all follow me, so <laughs> there's no secrets. And is it about respect? Like, because I think you're right in what you say. Like, because I'm I'm a mother of daughters, but and I actually never realised that it actually would be really hard for a 17 year old because we're in a world where you can't look at a girl, you can't say hello to a girl, you can't, you know, you, even you know, oh, it's just stupid things that the 17 year olds of today can't do. Where years ago you could, you could have a relationship with a girl. And it'd be fine, but now everything is like so PC and what they can and can't do. Mm. I think there is an aspect of that. There is, um, I remember reading a quote before, but like about chivalry. So it's like the definition of chivalry is a man that expects more from himself than the world expects of him. So mm. if you open a door for somebody, it's not because you're, you think that they're incapable of it. Mm. It's just because that's what you expect of yourself. It's just mm. good manners. Mm. So I think if we can teach a young generation that, yeah, it's okay to offer to pay the bill. Mm. It's okay to pull out a chair. It's okay to open a door. Um, it's okay to offer your jacket. Mm. It's not because, you know, you know she's incapable or, or, mm. or anything else like that. And it doesn't even have to be a she. You can, mm. like, you know, it can be, you know, a, another grown man mm. walking behind you. He could be a bodybuilder walking behind you and mm. you hold the door open for him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He could probably tear the door off the hinges. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But mm. it's just manners. So part of it is kind of, you know, trying to emphasise that. And then I think, like, it must be very difficult from, like, the PC aspect. I, I would imagine, I, like, I, I think, obviously, I'm not a 17-year-old, mm. so I, I don't know. But I would imagine they probably think about that far less than, than we do. Yeah. Um, but I think what I, th- what I think is difficult for a young person on social media now is the pressure. The pressure to have the right clothes, mm. the right house, the right car, the right aesthetic, mm. um, you know, to be, you know, almost puffing on the right vape, mm. to be vaping in, gen- in general, all this sort of stuff. And I, I think there's like huge pressure to um, com- probably com- conform is, mm. probably, is mm. probably the right, right word. Like make sure you're, like, you have the right shoes and mm. the right designer this and the right designer that and whatever else. And I think there's even an aspect where people don't even care if it's fake anymore. Yeah. Like when we were kids, if you wore anything fake, <laughs> you know, you got rinsed out. And now mm. people are unapologetic about that. Mm. Like, yeah, it's fake, don't care. Mm. And that stems from the fact that the, 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 it's not even a want, the need mm. to have these certain things to you know, uh, what's what's the word, to almost avoid by the, that pressure, to mm. not crumble under it, just to mm. tread the water. Exactly. Um, that they don't even care if it's real or not. Mm. And nobody cares if it's real mm. or not, because all anybody is trying to do is tread the water. And I would love if people looked at me, who's very different to that. Mm. Like, I don't mention, I barely mention a brand in any of my videos. Like, most of the things are extremely affordable. Someone asked me to do a suit for under 200 euros. So we've done an entire look for under 200 euros, including alterations. And the whole point of that was to show you can obtain the same aesthetic mm. 
on any budget. Doesn't matter if you have ten grand, if you have two hundred euro, doesn't matter. Mm. It can look the same. Obviously, there's going to be quality payoffs. Yeah, of course. But it it can look the same, and I'd love if some of those young people looked at my content and said, "Okay, yeah, you can actually achieve something by being different." Mm. I mean, like I don't, I don't have to conform to whatever is bang on trend right now, mm-hmm. and we can still achieve. It. If we can grow one with your million followers by wearing suits mm. all the time, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that just goes to show that you can wear whatever you want, want yeah, you wear whatever you want, mm. and you can succeed. And that's only me saying like, succeed on like mm. social media. No, where, I know where it's like it is always. I, I've attracted, you know, the attention of millions of people by. Ignoring trends Creating my own trend There's people all over the world Like clicking their fingers The same at me There's people all over the world That have carbon copied My content mm. Point blank And people are like Just that not annoy you And I'm like No that's the hugest compliment To mm. me ever Ever I didn't invent getting dressed There was outfit videos Long before I mm. done them I just done them in my way And now people Are copying my format mm. I'm like I changed that I changed how that content Is, is, is perceived mm. I evolved that So if people want to do it do it that's great it's a huge compliment to me and it show it, it should show young people mm. that if you are unapologetically yourself and consistently yourself you can strive mm. tell me about the and i asked you this tonight you met you i'd say just some filth on your page is that because <laughs> i just seen some of the comments and they were very sexual and i was like <sighs> It's not only women who fucking get this, but so you must be getting some filth on your page, are you? Yeah. And I, I, I generally just come on back being like, this is a family show. <laughs> like, um, I actually had it on my story the other day. It was like, basically, like, I've basically had my first stalker. Right. Um, which is was really weird because like, I do my utmost to respond to pretty much every single DM mm. that I get. Every single comment that I get, I try get back to everybody and even now my, my stomach literally just like mm-hmm. doing a backflip even just just thinking about this person's username just thinking about it because it was almost like or I'd seen a few DM requests from this person and I was like I'll get back to it I'll get back to it I'll get back to it and then the second I did it was like opening the floodgates and it was constant there was voice notes there was videos there was i think they tried to ring me three or four times and then i wasn't responding so they went onto my youtube channel and they were leaving comments on that and then i wasn't re- i wasn't responding on that and they went onto my tiktok and they were trying to dm me on that and they were leaving comments on that and then i wasn't responding and then my toys that i that i mm, sell and mm. um, they went onto the website tried to place an order cancelled the order and then emailed me so there's like basically this big like email trail to the place and all blah, blah blah because from a business aspect yeah. we have to respond. I have of course. to I have to respond to that yeah, one. Yeah. Um and even that I was saying it to someone amazing I was like, I just don't know how to, I just don't know how to deal with this like, Male or female? Female. Yeah, and uh, like none none of what she's I, I haven't listened to the voice now, so she, God knows what's in that and I won't mm. listen I won't listen to them either. Um so I think like I'm a very like I think it's uh, an M Empath, empath. Mm-hmm. So, I think when people say things to me, I, t- I take take a lot of it on. Like I get messages off people, been like, you know, like oh, I'm in a cancer ward, and your videos, like, you know, really ease my days or whatever. And like I'm sitting at home with like floods of tears, reading some of these DMs from people. But mm-hmm. then I get DMs from people, and they're like squeezing strawberries out of arseholes, and I'm just like, what? Like, and I'm not even naturally joking. Like, so, I mean, I, I suppose it's mm-hmm. you, you get both sides of it, but 
uh, sometimes it gets sometimes it gets a lot. And in terms of the stalker that you get, get like what she, what does she want from you? I've no idea. Like I, I'm assuming when it's just interaction. Interaction. I'm assuming it's all all mm. they want is a response. But then the issue is like when I respond, it's not enough. Mm. It's like there's some people that send me a DM, they'll send a question, and then I'll, I'll answer that question, and then their DM back is generally, oh my god, you actually saw my DM. Oh my god, you actually took the time to answer. Mm. Thank you so much. Mm. And then I never get a DM off them again. Mm. But I responded to this person like once or twice answering legitimate questions and mm. then it's just constant, it's constant, it's constant. And I'm just like, this is just so much, it's like so much for me to take on. It's like really overwhelming. And I just don't like, and I'm sure this this person probably means so well and, you know, like I don't want to be like blocked them or mm. anything else like that because like, they're not, other than the fact that they're like, having a, a real effect on, mm. on my day from like an emotionally draining standpoint like they haven't done anything wrong they're not like sending abusive messages they're not being like really vulgar or anything like that so other than the fact that they're just bombarding my dms mm. on every single platform available all that sort of thing was like going onto my ebay account and being like hey what's up and mm-hmm. um, other than that they're not actually doing anything wrong so i feel like even taking the like the process of blocking them would be mm. almost like Harsh. Do you know that sometimes you have to? I know, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, if you're sitting in front of me, right, and you're telling me that your stomach's at the flipping, fucking block. Yeah. Block, block, block. You don't need that in your life. And it's, it's. do you know, and I don't think people realise that the, the mental effect that they have on you when they ask you stuff or, like, and I, I my, Jesus, my DMs wouldn't be like, ah, like yours, but, like, I've had a few people that are, like, can I come on and tell me a story? And I'm like, yeah. And I'd say, well, t- tell me what the story is, you know? And then they would be like, I oh, you know, but I don't want it to be a podcast. And I'm like, hang on a second. I'm not a counsellor. Mm. I'm not here. I can't fix you. I can't fix you. I'm so, and the same as you, I'd be fucking heartbroken because the stories are so horrific. But I can't open a door that I'm not going to be able to close. Yeah, yeah. But like there is, there's also the aspect of we block this person. I, I know my heart's a heart. So they're probably gonna have another profile or they'll mm. set up another profile, mm. and there's there's only there's only so much that you can actually there's mm. only so much you can actually do. It's probably gonna take a bit of growing from from me mm. to to be able to deal with that and handle that and and be able to kind of brush it off and and progress. And that's like it's probably part and parcel of the platform that I've that I've grown. This is probably the force. It's probably not going to be the last. So this mm. is probably a lesson that I need to learn and to to grow because yeah, it, it's to it, handle those situations. To better. handle those situations be- mm. like better, um, you know, as as it as I as I continue to grow both professionally and and personally. So, tell me about the toys. The toys, yeah. So, I've I've always wanted to kind of bring out a product, and then when I worked in in. Tiffany, um, I became really good friends with the guys who own the company. Mm. And then as my following started to grow and grow and grow, it was actually well before I blew up on Instagram. It was mostly TikTok. And um, they came to the, came to me with the idea and be like, do you think you should bring out a product and try capitalise on your audience? Mm. And I was like, I'd absolutely love to, but I have no idea how. Don't know suppliers, don't know anything. Like, And they said, okay, so how about we give you our contacts we mm. know suppliers we know you know people that can make boxes we know people that can make labels we know people that can make product blah blah and i said okay so what what's what's the catch what's the deal and they said look we'll we'll put all the capital up front mm. and then um we 
just split it. And I said, okay, what? Well, like they, they were like, what? What split are you happy with? And I said, like some business person is going to look at this. And go, you're, you're a clown. <laughs> Um, it's literally a 50-50 split mm. Literally 50-50 um, So everything after they recoup their investment mm. It's a 50-50 split um, And yeah there's going to be some Business person looking at that going You're you're, mm. you're actually an idiot Like, but it, it was never about business And mm. it was never about earning money It was The the idea of bringing a product out That was, com- that was completely mine I got to design everything I got to come up with the name for it I got to make Design the labels, got to design the box, sat down with a box supplier and went Which through. It's really exciting for you to do something yeah, like that. Yeah, like we went through like all this, all the samples, like um, went through all like the codes and the color, and was really specific on the color of the box that I wanted and the style of the box and the shape and the texture of it and a little card that goes inside that I put a spiel on. I wanted the backside of it to be blank, so when someone orders a toy, I can handwrite a thank you on it, mm. and like they're all packaged by me. Mm. Um, everything's done by me on the kitchen table. Don't like everything. You need to fucking change that fifty fifty. You um, need to do seventy thirty at least. But uh, they have off, they have they have a little office space. We'll yeah. we'll try convince them to let me do whatever yeah. it is that on my kitchen table at some point for them. Um, what is the name of it? Ruffo. Why so, Ruffo? So I wanted it to be Irish, but I didn't want to be like Paddy Toys. Do you know what I mean? So um, I wanted it to be Irish, but didn't really not sound Irish, but not be real. Cheesy and mm. cliche, and you know, only fucking cladder toys or yeah. something, something like mm. that. Um, so I basically looked up um, the names of all the old kings right. of Ireland, and there was a, a king, Rafo, and I think it's actually a town in Donegal now. I think there's a castle up there named Rafo, and it actually reminded me of the name uh, Rolex. Mm. It was two syllables, mm. began with an R, sounded kind of fancy and kind of luxury. Mm. Um, and my idea long term like I've oh, always said it to the lads even when it was, it was like imagine in like 10 years time mm. like I don't know someone like someone came in and bought the whole thing mm. off me for a couple of million yeah yeah. Um, so that was the idea behind the brand and the, the branding was like it says now it says Rafael by Damien Project but the mm. idea was if it continues mm. and if it grows to take my name off it and it'll just be Rafael on its own and then um, it can kind of be its own entity and then if I was there, like, you know, the thing's less than a year old now. Um, but if it was ever to progress to the point that where, you know, some conglomerate came in and bought it, mm. my name is not really attached to it. Mm. So, like it was, but it's, you can take it away. So um, that was a really exciting project. And um, yeah, we're on our third drop of toys now. And then we have pocket squares and trouser braces. Very good. I think... Going into summer, I'd love to do silk scarves because they're a little bit more kind of unisex. And then going into the going into spring summer, then because obviously if you're, I mean, there's nothing stopping women wearing toys, but mm. for the for the most part, they're they're not. Um, so I'd love to bring out something that you know the f- the female audience mm. could potentially buy and enjoy as well. So I'd say you'd get a lot of women buying them, <laughs> considering what's on your fucking thing. What does the future hold for you, Damien? Tell me. Um, I don't know. Um. I kind of want to be like an open book and just try spot the right opportunities as they come and maybe dabble in a few different things and see see what sticks. Try to get you at the wall and see see what sticks. I don't really know what I want to do. And I want to be rich. I want to be a millionaire when I'm 40. Do you? So that's eight and a half years. Mm. 31. I'll be 32 in July. I want to be a millionaire when I'm 40. Don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will do it. Mm. Um, that's my goal. Um, 
I want to bring my entire family away on a nice holiday. I want to just like ring up my man down and be like, pack your bags, we're going away mm. in two weeks. Um, like my man down, mortgage free, but they both still work. I'd love to be able to just be like, here, just quit your job, don't worry mm. about it. Um, I'd love to be able to do things like that. So um, professionally, I don't know how I'll get there. I just want to be, I want to be a millionaire. Um, it'll probably end up being multiple different, mm. uh, you know, revenue streams. Mm. Um, personally, um, I don't know. Um, tell me about your love life right now. Right. So this is a question that I get all the time, and I actually get the love life question, but I also get, "Are you gay or are you straight?" Because obviously people assume that the way I dress, it, I don't know why it's an assumption, but it is. Um, and generally the question, the answer that they get is, is it relevant? Um, and it's not because I'm trying to be mad mysterious or, <laughs> or anything like that. It just has absolutely nothing to do with what I do or the content that I share or anything like that. It has absolutely no bearing at all. I have an amazing support network of family, friends, loved ones, people that love me to death if I deleted my Instagram tomorrow they would love me the very same as they do now and yeah there's a part of me that really wants to protect that is there love in your life like are you, that, is that your plan that do you see kids in your future do you see settling um, down I don't know I, I like the idea of being, being a dad Um yeah like the world is a scary place but I'm sure like you know, 30 years ago when, when my mum and dad had kind of kids, like they were probably thinking the world's mental at the moment. Do you know what I mean? So is the world ever not going to be mental? So um, but I, like, I like the idea of of having kids. And then we we spoke about business and, and the toys. Like I'd love to be able to build something that I could potentially, you know, give give to, to kids that they could take it on and, and continue the business. Um, what's What's the best thing in your life right now? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, do my clothes count? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know actually. Um, are you content? No. Are you happy? I'm happy, but I'm not content. I'm hungry. Okay. That's okay. I'm hungry. Um, this is a go time for me now. I'm young-ish. Um, I'm healthy. I've no worries. At all. So it's go time. Like I said, I want to be a millionaire by I'm forty. So it is time to hit the ground running and work and enjoy it. off. Yeah. Like the thing is, like I talk with some of my friends like about the grind and how the grind can be lonely sometimes. But you know, so some people love the grind. Like I, I love working. Okay. I love it, and I love reaping the rewards at the, at the end of it. Like I wouldn't have grown the platform that I have if I didn't work every single day, mm. every day. Regardless of a paycheck, regardless. Like, I've always worked a day job alongside, like, social media. And it's only kind of now where people say, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm an influencer. It's it's only now that I even use that word or that term because, like, I'm, again, trying to train myself to, like, own that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, be, un- be unapologetically Absolutely. an influencer. You, like, you worked your arse off to, mm-hmm. to, to be there, like, and... You can use the word content creator or whatever, you, whatever else. But at the end of the day, you're an influencer. That's that's what the term is, and it's what it's going to be. We just have to live with it. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things people always always ask me, especially because how I dress, they're like, "Are you rich?" 
And I always go back to that Bob Marley quote and be like, what is rich? Mm. You know, like uh, money in the bank? Not yet. Mm. But I'm a very rich person because I have like a roof over my head. There's If I open the fridge, there's always like carton of milk in there. There's always food in the, in the press. Um, there's always hot water coming out of the tap. And if I... There's certain people on my phone, if I ring them up and be like, I need you, they drop everything. No questions asked, and they'd come help, no matter what it was, whether it was just a conversation, or whether, like, you know, we heard a dog, and we need to bury you, whatever, mm. you know, or whatever it was, like, they, they would just be like, no questions asked, they'd come and help. And I think that makes me very rich, that we have certain people, and certain things in life, that um, if everything else melted away, we could still find happiness and contentment with, within that. And it, it takes a lot of growing to, to realise the, the, the good that you have, especially when you're really hungry and, and driven and ambitious. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to look back and be like, I have a lot of good things in my life, even without the things that I want. And on that note, we leave it there. Thank you so much, Damien. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you so much. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.